go. In some settings, people say, for example, First Corinthians 12, 1, not This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. What in the world is a spiritual gift? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you have been given a whole list, maybe 20, 30, 40 different things that uh, were told to you that you were... Uh, endowed with these spiritual gifts. You might have been said, told that everybody has the same spiritual gifts. You might have been told that only one spiritual gift goes to each person. Well, maybe it depends on what you're referring to as a spiritual gift. Because there are different classifications of spiritual gifts in the Bible, believe it or not. And they have separate individual meanings, and implications. One of the problems that we have had, I think, in the broader body of Christ is that rather than understanding our calling and spiritual gifts in the kingdom of God, pastors and others serving under them have tried just to find a person, some willing soul, to be plugged into a particular job, a particular uh, uh, duty or whatever it is, just to say that that is filled. But the problem with that is the people that are doing it may not be motivated at all to do that. It may not be within their, shall we say, God-giftedness or direction or calling to do it. Therefore, what happens is there is very little life that exudes from that kind of so-called ministry operation. But what if the pastor is seriously attuned to what are called spiritual gifts, particularly those that seem to be given motivationally to each person in the body of Christ? What if a pastor understood that? It might make a huge difference in how he speaks to other people about doing certain areas of ministry in the broader congregation or even outside the congregation. So today on Viewpoint, we are going to be talking about this matter of spiritual gifts. Our special guest today, Andy Reese, has written a book called The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint, uh, God's Design for Your Gifts, Talents, and Purposes. So, Andy, it's good to have you on board. You're in Nashville, is that correct? Thank you. I'm in East Nashville. Well, I thought perhaps you would be uh, singing some of this to us if you were in Nashville. Well, I'm staring across the room at my guitar, but you don't want me to do that. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear you make the confession, and so we'll just go ahead and do the speaking thing here. Uh, And the Bible does refer to certain kinds of speaking gifts, doesn't it? Uh, Yes, it does. It does. it, it certainly does. Peter says there are there are two categories of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts, and I think he knew what he was talking about. Isn't it interesting that we find nowhere in the Bible that I can recall where God specifically re- refers to a musician as having the gift of music? I'm not aware uh, of any place specifically where that is said. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't believe that God gives people 
that gift, but I don't recall any specific place where that is said. Do you? Well, the word gift uh, is used, the, the same, the same, the exact same Greek word is used for a whole bunch of things. And so you might say, well, my, my six foot two frame is a gift from God. My, uh, my children are gifts from God. Uh, right. So, but we're talking about a different kind of gift now. And I don't sure. want people to be confused. And in the line of what we're talking about here, I don't think there is any place in the Bible that specifically calls music a specific gift to a given individual. Do you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely what? Absolutely true. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, list music as a charisma gift, as a gift. And it, it, it's obvious, though, that there are people, many people, that are profoundly gifted in the area of music. I'm not one of them, although I love music, but I am not one of those. But we can get great joy, great uh, ministry, actually, great encouragement, uplifting from one who is. And the reason I bring that up, uh, Andy, is because I want us to very clearly, if possible, in our conversation here today, make a clear distinction between the spiritual gifts that God has laid out in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 uh, from all the other things. Let me give you another illustration. My wife and I, for many years, uh, long before I was engaged in what you would call professional ministry, uh, as a practicing lawyer, my wife and I were known uh, and kind of had an identity in the broader body of Christ in Southern California as the people of hospitality. We opened our home for so many, many different things related to the kingdom of God, uh, all kinds of uh, events and so on. We've done that uh, here uh, when we moved to Richmond, Virginia. Over 60,000 pairs of feet had crossed our threshold in the last 30 years. However, some people will say, well, you have the gift of hospitality. Here's the problem with that. There's nowhere in the Bible that we are told that hospitality is a gift we have. What we are told is that it is a gift we give. And I think that creates a, a huge problem for us. The Apostle Paul said we have to give ourselves to hospitality. Uh, he said that in Romans 12. He said that in uh, uh, Titus. He said that in Timothy. We must give ourselves to hospitality. So that helps us to discern the difference between these spiritual gifts that you and I are talking about today and other things. We may have a particular talent, a particular ability, or maybe we've cultivated something or a vision or something, but that doesn't mean that it's the spiritual gift of hospitality, does it? Uh, that's true, although you'll find an author or two who has expanded on the list of gifts and have included hospitality. Well, I know, and that's precisely why I'm saying this, because their expansion of those lists is not correct. Their expansion of those lists is trying to bring in and confuse the issue of spiritual gifts that are laid out very specifically in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, right. Uh, although 1 Corinthians 12 uh, 
Uh, he doesn't necessarily call those gifts. He calls those manifestations. But that's uh, they're given, for sure. No question about that. All right. That. All right. Because that's what we're here to talk about. That's what you talk about in your book, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So let's begin with uh, Romans chapter 12. Most of us know uh, the beginning verses, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hmm. But then he shifts almost immediately to talk about these gifts that he has given the body. That's what we want to focus on when we get back from this break, friends. Our special guest guest today, Andy Reese, with his book, The Spiritual Gifts Viewpoint. It's a $19 book, yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can write to us, you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. We're talking about spiritual gifts here today, and for many, it's a matter of confusion, and for many others, it's a matter of just argument. People just like to argue about spiritual gifts. We're not here to argue today. We're here to try to review, recover, restore, and present the matter of spiritual gifts in such a way that we can see ourselves perhaps the way God sees us, and become more effective for his kingdom accordingly. Does that sound right, uh, Andy? Sure. Um, When we understand how gifting works and how manifestations work, we begin to understand how God works. And, um, yeah, Paul was very, very clear uh, about that. Um, In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, look, there are, there are four parts to your Christian walk, and, and one of those is gifts, and that's the first one. If you don't get that one right, you'll have a little bit little bit of trouble with the other three. Yeah, well, and uh, of course, in Ephesians, Paul gives us another list, and he talks about uh, what really are offices in the body of Christ. Uh, what are those offices? Lay those out. Yeah, so... People say that's the same word, gift, but it's not. It's no. a different word. Mm-hmm. And actually, what it really means is Jesus gave up himself. He measured himself out. He is the gift that he's given to each of us. And he has five uh, sort of mature believers who grow into these. So it's the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. And their job is to equip. Not to do, necessarily, but to equip others to do. Aha! Uh-huh. Okay. Maybe we should start there instead of Romans 12. Because if we conflate what Paul said, actually it's not in Ephesians 5, but Ephesians 4, 
he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. There are five of these. Now, some people, in fact, it is common practice for pastors to say that these are all wrapped into one guy called the pastor. The five-fold spiritual ministry of the pastor. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with a pastor uh, functioning to some extent in a prophetic way or as an evangelist, uh, a teacher, or even apostle. But I don't think this is what this is talking about at all. He's talking about very specific uh, callings in the body of Christ, operational callings, a role and a purpose that God has placed those people in for, as you said, the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Why is it then that we have the propensity to say, well, my pastor is all of those, that's it? I think because we have had this propensity since Catholicism that there is a a, a professional Christian mm. body, and then the rest of us, a pastor and his flock, rather than saying there is Jesus and we are all the flock. And uh, so we make we make the, the, the pastor do everything, and then he burns out and goes to sell yeah. insurance, and we wonder why. Yeah. On the other hand, if the pastor is not to be all of these things, then somebody is to be one or the other, and they're not necessarily given to all people. This is not saying that uh, everybody is going to be either an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. This is saying God has given these certain offices in the church to accomplish these specific purposes. You can't have everybody fulfilling all these offices, can you? I would say not, because who would they equip if they're all doing it? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, so there is some rationality to this, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, and, and the reality is these people have to have some some mature character and some some history in order to do it effectively. And mm-hmm. um, when you take someone who is young and experienced, but, gee, they have a Bible degree, not great stuff happens. Well, I would much rather have somebody that has the experience and is living out the giftedness, the motivational giftedness of Romans 12 than I would to have a uh, a seminarian step into one of these roles. He's not going to have a clue what to do. He doesn't even know who he really is. Well, possibly so. It's kind of like elders. Who do you pick for elders? Well, you pick for elders people who are already elders. You know, people people who are already... <laughs> now, that's coining people. a new word, isn't it? Elding. Yeah. I like that. Elding, Herbi. okay. Elding. <laughs> yeah, and uh, these guys are there to bring the people into the unity of the faith unto a perfect or mature man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no more tossed around to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Now, it appears to me, Andy, that until the last 50 years, 
We have not seen very much of the manifestation of these gifts in the body of Christ. What say you? Well, it depends on, on where you're walking, but we certainly have not seen them sort of fulfilled like we see here. Um, right. But that, that, whole, that whole paragraph from 11 through 16 has got Jesus saying, look, he, he says five amazing things about the body of Christ, one of which is these, this fivefold ministry, and you don't see any of those five happening very often. That's exactly my point. That's exactly the point, which means that there's a reason why that is. And I think, uh, let's just discuss why that reason might be, because this is applicational now. Right. Yeah. I think one of the reasons is we've been afraid to admit that these things are for today. um, Possibly so. Now, now this list here, people are maybe with the the exception of apostles and prophets. Right. Right. the other three people are going, oh, yeah, shepherds and teachers, evangelists, sure, sure, sure. Um, a lot of people say, well, the apostles died out. You don't see anybody being called an apostle. Well, not in your denomination. You <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and maybe there's a reason for that. Well, we're going to talk more about I, those reasons when, when, when we get to that. But yeah, we're throwing out, bad. you see, there's a thought process that has led us to a very weak position in the body of Christ on the near edge of the second coming. That makes it pretty serious, I think. Well, yes, if we want to shift to the second coming, there's a lot of things that we're not necessarily uh, doing very well. And Jesus said, you know, when I come, I'm going to ask you about the minus. I'm going to ask you uh, about the, the, the oil. I'm going to ask you, when I was sick, did you visit me? I, mm. I, I told you the questions on the final exam. Do you have good answers for them? <laughs> Are you? Is God going to give us a bar exam to get across Absolutely. the bar of justice? Absolutely. He's going to lower the bar, and you're going to have to limbo your way under it. Oh, boy. Well, I remember that California bar. Let me tell you, I took it twice. Yeah. And I couldn't do the limbo under the bar either. They wouldn't let yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. So we've got this uh, passage here of, uh, of offices, five distinct offices in Ephesians chapter 4 that are filled by specific individuals, uh, not in the sense of spiritual gifts the way we normally think of the term spiritual gifts. So that leads us back to Romans chapter 12. Uh, before we jump back to Romans 12, can, can I mention a couple other things? Sure. In this paragraph that I think are absolutely key um, to, to make this happen. One of the things is, is he says, we have to be diligent to maintain a certain unity until we all attain a certain unity. And when you look at the one word to maintain and the one word to attain, that is called more, caused more church splits than than maybe anything else, because we're not we're not being obedient to maintain the unity that he calls us to maintain. All right, that brings up the next question: Why? And I believe that Jesus gave the key in his high priestly prayer in John seventeen. He prayed to the Father and he said, "Lord, 
uh, we I, I ask that you will uh, keep these guys, these men, these saints. He said, I've given them your word. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And here it comes. Here's the key. Sanctify or set them apart through your truth. Your word is truth. Then, after having said that, he said, now, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through your truth. Lord, glorify thou them that they may be one even as we are one. Right. This is not the pursuit of unity. This is the pursuit of truth. It's the truth that unites us, not feelings of pursuing unity. I think we always get it backwards, right. and that's why we have such confusion in the body of Christ. What do right. you think? And that's exactly what it says there in Ephesians 4. But it says, look, be diligent to maintain the unity until we attain, until we grow up. And we, look, there's 4,500 different expressions of Christianity. We have messed that one up bad. Well, there are 22,000 denominations in the world and over 2,000 in this country. So what, what do you mean? What do you think that means? I, I think we have a lot of people who wanted to start their own thing. <laughs> you mean they want to be pseudo gods? Yeah. <laughs> there's something else in here I think you'll, you'll find really, really interesting. The word measure is used three times in here. Uh-huh. And it, it says that Jesus measured himself out. Then he said, work with, when we each work within our measure mm-hmm. of Christ, the body measures up to the fullness of Christ. There's another issue I see in scriptures that there's this issue of jealousy and I want to do what that guy's doing, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, it's like dude. You have got a measure of Christ in you. He, he literally measured out some part of himself. And when you work within that measure, and I work within my measure, and we don't compare and we don't compete, mm. our church will look like Jesus. People will walk in and go, this church looks like Jesus. Every need is met by somebody different. It's crazy. Yeah, that's what happened in the early church. And, uh, by the way, that's one reason why, after being a volunteer pastor for eight years in one of the fastest-growing churches in Southern California, uh, the Lord led me to start a house church in Richmond, Virginia. We've had that for 30 years. And people come from a 90-mile diameter area to be part of it because we're not constrained by denominational strictures. Uh, We're constrained by one thing. And one thing only, and that's the Word of God revealed yeah. by the Spirit of God, and people contributed to that. It's it's a beautiful thing. But isn't you measure, mentioned this word measure? And if we go back to Romans twelve, we find that before Paul lays out these seven motivational gifts here, he says this: "Through the grace that's given to me, I say to every man that is among you, not to think of himself." more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, seriously, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So as you said, God has given us a measure of faith. Now, am I going to try to 
covetously steal that from my brother or from the pastor across the way or from across uh, the country? Am I going to try to compete with him? Am I really thinking of myself more highly then than I ought to think? And in doing that, am I going to destroy the very functionality of the beauty that God has ordained with these seven motivational gifts? Yeah, um, that's absolutely true. And in fact, First Corinthians 12, he does the flip side of that plus the other one. And he said, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. That mm-hmm. is, I think too highly. But he also says, I don't know if it's the body. I've got the body, of course. But the hand can't say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not useful. Right. You know, he says both things. He says, don't think less of yourself than you are through comparison. And don't think more of yourself than you are. So, Andy, let me ask you, how grateful is your hand for your eye? Just thinking about it until after this break. <laughs> we'll be right back, friends. Stay tuned. This is my eye. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Over the years, over the past 50 or so years, there have been a number of pastors and parachurch leaders across the country who have attempted to, attempted to grapple with this issue of spiritual gifts. I remember a pastor, Don Pickerel, there in Eagle Rock uh, Foursquare Church there in Southern California, and he did a series concerning the matter of spiritual gifts. And then, of course, there was uh, Peter Wagner of uh, Fuller Seminary, uh, that he was his he was involved in a church that was directly across from my law office for so many many years, and he talked about spiritual gifts, but in a very different way. And he had a list of twenty eight of them, I think, and th- there were so many others. And then uh, one of the most expressive ones uh, came through uh, the Institute in Basic Life Principles that went across the country with Boku thousands and thousands of people being trained over a period of a whole week, uh, much of which was in dealing with spiritual gifts. And one of those areas was Romans chapter 12, these motivational gifts of verse 4, 5, and 6. So let's grapple with this uh, for a few minutes here. Andy, what say you? Sure. Okay. We have many members of one body. All members have not the same office, but we being many... Being many, being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Having then gifts differing. In other words, we don't have the same thing. We have differing gifts 
according to the grace or the favor and enabling power of God that is given to us. And the first one is what? Prophecy. Already people are upset. A third of the evangelical church is upset already just by reading that word, aren't they? Well, by reading that word and then seeing the examples around the world that trouble them. If if there weren't weren't bad examples of that, they might not be quite as upset. Well, that's true, but there are many things that are upsetting to people. I'm very upset about the way supposedly people evangelize. I'm upset about the way Dr. Smiley Face down there in uh, uh, Dallas, uh, or is it Atlanta, teaches about uh, so-called winning people into the church and into Christ. Never tells them to repent. Never. And uh, I'm upset about uh, Dr. Stanley uh, down there who says the Old Testament is passe. It's all past. It's no good anymore. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to do it. I'm upset about that, too. Does that mean that it all goes away because I'm not happy about that? Um, I'm sure that's a rhetorical question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It sure is, and we need to ask a lot more rhetorical questions, and I think that's the way we need to understand the Word of God. If we don't ask rhetorical questions in response to the Word of God, we'll never get any transformation. That's my viewpoint. Sure. So, if he says prophecy then prophecy must be a given. If he says the next one, ministry, some say that means serving, then let us wait on our ministering or serving. I don't think anybody has a a problem with that word, do they? I've not heard of one. Yeah. And how about teaching? I don't think anybody has a problem with that one. Do they? No. But how about exhortation? Do you have a problem or anybody have a problem with that one? Um, unless they're the one being exhorted and they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And you know how some people define exhortation? Tell people what they want to hear. You got to make them feel good. Got to tell them what they want to hear. Right. You can have your best life now. I just heard him just heard him this week saying on television, you've got to have your best life now. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Okay. Remember, these are, these are spiritual gifts, but humans can fake them and do all the time. And rest them to their own destruction and the destruction of others. Right. And they, they come out of their soul and instead of their spirit. Yeah. And they can be good, but they'll never be glorious. Isn't it that way, Andy, with almost every single thing in the Bible? Well, that's a big extension, but... Well, look, I can tell you that Judas went and hanged himself, and doesn't the Bible say, go thou and do likewise? So get it on, brother, go thou and do likewise. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a huge believer that, uh, you know, Paul talks about three kinds of men. He talks about body, body... Tarkikos, but but body men who are are driven by appetites and lust. He talks about soul men, psychikos, psychological men who are driven by intellect 
and their mind. Right. And then he says, I would that you all are pneumatical spiritual men and that you're led by the spirit within your spirit. And the hugest problem in the church today, as I see it, is that the church is so wrapped up in hermeneutics and exegetics and, and the Greek and getting all of that right. And, and the, the great mind lead the church rather than the great spirits leading the church. It's <laughs> well, so well put. Why do we do that? Because we're impressed with our information or our knowledge and knowledge puffs up. Isn't right. that what the Bible says? Well, that, that is what happens. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys I know have gone to Bible school to, to try to be just servants and, they they come out tainted a little bit, and it takes a little bit to get it out of them, mm. um, because it, the, being a really really good expositor will always get you a sure reward every Sunday. But trusting on the Spirit to move and to lead is a little scary if your job's on the line or your reputation's on the line. And yet, that's exactly what God is expecting us to do. And that's what he expected well, his son to do. Yeah, and he doesn't expect us to have one pastor who leads the church. He expects a group of people called elders to lead the church, one of whom may be a great teacher and teaches a lot. But mm-hmm. And we've we've changed that in a lot of places. And it's, it, that, that poor guy's got to do everything, and he, no wonder he burns out. Well, no wonder he's got to take it every Sunday. That's another whole subject. We could probably talk for a whole day on that alone. Now we come to uh, giving. Is there anybody against the word giving? Uh, um, okay, we're going to just rhetorical through the list. No, no, they love giving. They probably love leading, and they probably love it when people show mercy to them. Well, yeah. What I find, though, is oftentimes the people that seem so merciful are the most unmerciful people when it comes to something that offends them. Well, <laughs> we can pick on that, but, um, you know, I think our listeners will go, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Am I, am I one of those people? I would mm-hmm. love to know more about that. Yeah. Well, and so what we're, what we're facing here is that there are positive sides to each one of these motivational gifts. But lurking behind the scenes, because we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, the flesh reveals some negative aspects to these various gifts, like prophecy or uh, serving. Uh, Our motivations change. We serve to get kudos for ourselves instead of to serve the Lord or teaching because we want to get recognition or uh, exhortation because we want to convince uh, be a salesman, motivations of the heart have everything to do with the reality uh, of how we carry out these uh, spiritual motivational gifts, don't they? God looks at the heart. He doesn't mind if you make mistakes, good-hearted mistakes growing in your gifting. He does mind if you're a really polished teacher, but your heart is wrong. Absolutely. He would rather that you make an error with a right heart than have the wrong heart, I think, and try to do it perfectly. Uh, Because 
the heart of the matter is the heart. That's right. And you are what your heart is. You can fake it for a while, but uh, you you will be what your heart is. Mm. And that's why God always judges the heart. Always. Well, friends, we're going to get to another aspect of this in just a few minutes after this upcoming break. The book, The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint, God's Designed for Your Gifts, Talents, and Purpose. And there's no way that we can uh, go through all that Andy has in his book here today, but we're trying to uh, at least salt the oats and get some foundational things out there, because if you will pursue, uh, whether his book or pursue Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, 13 and 14, uh, these things will gradually be opened to you if you have an ear to hear. Now, if you don't have an ear to hear, and all you want to hear is what somebody else said, you'll never get it. You'll just be filled with arguments. You'll be filled with uh, doubt, all kinds of doubts, all kinds of arguments. But God's not into the argument business. There's no sense in arguing with God because he's already spoken. So if we agree with him, then he can work with us and his grace will be sufficient for us in the midst of our efforts to try to understand and figure it out. Do you agree with that, Andy? I I do agree with that. Um, I also agree and want to say emphatically that gift, and the whole book is about this, gifts are one-fourth of the package that you have from God. And if all we do is focus on gifts, we're going to miss the other three. And the other three are, are immense. Yes, sir. All right, friends, up. we'll be back with that after this break, The Spiritual Gifts okay. Blueprint. Uh, $18 is going to put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's be glad in it, and let's embrace that which God has for each one of us so that we can fulfill our part in the battles to come as we prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. We're talking today with Andy Reese with his book, The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint, God's Design for Your Gifts, Talents, and 
purposes. In other words, God has a place and a purpose for you. Much like, you see, when he had a place and purpose for Esther amid the Persian Empire, and her uncle said to her, who knows but what you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So I want to say to you, my friend, who knows but what you, God has placed you in the kingdom for such a time as this. To utilize the motivational gift that he has given you there in Romans chapter 12, and also the various diversities of gifts or ministries that he has set forth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then, in addition to that, the manifestations of the Spirit that he's given to us to profit with all. We're going to talk about those here in the next 10 minutes with our special guest, Andy Reese. First of all, Andy, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. Apparently, Paul thought this was pretty important. Right. Um, what he really said there is now concerning spiritual things or the spiritual world, the structure of the spiritual world. That word is not spiritual gifts, and nearly every translation has it that way, but every literal translation doesn't have it that way. Okay. Paul is talking about way more than gifts there. He's talking about the spirit world. He's talking about the way the kingdom of God operates. Absolutely. Right. That's what he's really talking about. And that's why these are called ministry, whatever you want to call them, gifts, ministry, operational. He says there are diversities of gifts or uh, operations in the body of Christ, but the very same spirit. He said many of us are going to be doing different things, but it has to be motivated by the same spirit. Well, yes, but but look what he does. He, he, He says there's four things. There's varieties of charisma gifts, but the same spirit. The spirit and gifts are matched. Then he says there's, and the word varieties is a really weird word that means there is a there is an, a thorough analysis you can do that that's what the word actually means. And varieties is just the best thing. There's there's analysis of ministries and the same Jesus. They so say, okay, I have gifts and spirit. Now I have a job in the body, uh-huh. and the head body Jesus gives me a job. Okay, I'm this workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right. That prepared. Okay. So, and then he says, now there are varieties of of energizing of outcomes, but the same Father who works in you. And so you go, oh, there's the Trinity. I have a spiritual gift from the Spirit. I have a job or a career from Jesus, and the Father works with me to get it all done. And then you go down to the bottom to verse eleven, and he says, now the same Spirit also distributes these manifestations, and it's this exact same word, the irises, the Spirit distributes the manifestations as He wills. So, I have a, I have gift, a who I am gift, we just talked about that in Romans 12. I have a, I have a, a career with Jesus, if I'm faithful in a little, he'll, he'll give me much, if I'm faithful, you know, the minus, all those, all those parables make sense, right here. Then the Father says, I will cause all things to work together for good for you, if you love me and you're called according to my purpose, mm-hmm. what is my purpose? My purpose in you is to use the gifting that you've been given in the ministry Jesus has for you. He's the head of the body, and you're a finger in the body. So you need the brain. You know, he's not the head like a chairman of the board. 
He's the brain of the body. Yeah. And God the Father says, if you get in sync with that, look around. I will be causing stuff to go your way. You're going to see coincidences that will make your eyeballs pop. And when, you, <laughs> and, and when you need a power tool, when you need a word of knowledge, when you need a word, all of the, those 12 things in first things up, those are power tools that are available to all of us when faith meets need. Well, they're called the manifestation of the Spirit. Absolutely. And it says the manifestation, in other words, that which is revealed and shows now uh, to, yeah. to the body of Christ is given to every man to profit with all. It's given to us all, but, he says, not every one of these is given to everyone. He says to sure. one person is given the word of wisdom, to another person the word of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another miracles, to another deserting of spirits to another tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Then he concludes by saying, you quoted this passage, but all those manifestations of the Spirit work that one and the very selfsame Spirit, dividing to the rest of the body or every man severally as he wills. These are not things that every person, that characterizes every person all the time. Not every person is a discerning of spirits. Not every person is uh, gifts of healing. Not every person, but there are some who are specifically anointed for those things, and that's well, what he sets forth in verse twenty-eight. Th- that's right. Some some are more anointed, but I have seen in my own life nearly every one of these happen in my life at, at a point in time, but not always. I can speak in tongues anytime I want. I can prophesy about it anytime I want. Gifts of healings, I've healed about three people, lay hands on, and they're mm-hmm. healed. I want that to happen all the time, but it doesn't. Exactly. It did. And that's and what I, we need to understand, God, that just yeah. because somebody uh, was used by God in that particular situation doesn't mean that he's the healer for all time. That yeah, is, that that person is. Not, right? Even more importantly, it doesn't mean you're not the healer, and he is. And exactly. That's true. With, with these manifestations is I either have it or I don't. And if I don't, I don't. And you go, no, every one of these nine can be yours when faith meets need. Don't. It's like, well, I don't have tongues. Oh, B.S. I can get you speaking in tongues in a minute. Okay. But then we wrap it up in verse yeah. 28, because there the Apostle Paul says, now, that may be true that these are given, these manifestation gifts are going to be presented by God for you at a particular time when it is needed. But God has set in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And uh, so it appears that that's another way of expressing uh, the concept of offices as opposed to what he sets forth in uh, verses 8 through uh, 13. Maybe, but that, that word sets is a very slippery word, so we've got to be careful with that one. Well, we don't want to get into slippery territory. It's very easy yeah. to do that. And words yeah, are important. He gives offices, and he gives, in this list, and he gives three manifestations. He gives no charisma gifts in this list. But there's these two crazy words in there, helps and administration. Now, what is that? 
Well, that's that's right, and that's why I worded it the way I did. But the yeah. the point is, if we lump all of these together, as some choose to do, right, we get in terrible trouble. We create chaos in the body of Christ. We're not leading to more understanding. We're actually leading to more confusion, refusing to agree with what God has laid out in his word. If we would just humble ourselves and agree, we might just see some very powerful things take place in the body of Christ uh, in the few years to come, don't you think? That is the whole purpose of what I've written, what I have done, is when these things get sorted out and people go, oh, you mean this is for me? I was with some very conservative college kids last week, and three of them are now speaking in tongues and going, this is crazy. Max Placato went online saying, I just began speaking in tongues. Mm. And it's crazy. I love it. And you just go, okay, let's go, guys. Okay. It's not about... Here's here's our American problem. Our American problem is we have to be in control. We have to be in absolute control. And if I can't be in control and understand and rationalize everything, then it can't possibly be true. Right. So that has led us into the whole world of what is called cessationism. And about 30% of the so-called evangelical community has embraced cessationism to paralyze the spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our time. Yeah, it's radically changing. I can tell you for a fact, I, I have been asked to teach the fullness of the Holy Spirit at cessationist Lipscomb University by the wife of the president. <laughs> it, it is changing. She endorsed the book. It is changing radically, radically. It, 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 there, there, are, you know, there, there are still some old cessationist churches, kind of small and isolated. But the large, you know, Nashville is, is the home of, of the cessationists. They are radically changing. I can tell. Well, you I thought that. the home of the cessationists was Pasadena, California, in Southern well, California. That, yeah, that's that part of. I'm <laughs> Um, well, listen, I, brother. I, I appreciate um, I appreciate your grasping, grabbling with this, and we've had an open yeah. conversation here. Uh, it's it's something that we have to humble ourselves before. And I, I got to tell you, I grew up in the traditional evangelical church. My father said I believe the Bible from cover to cover, and the cover too, and he was a strong preacher. But I'll tell you, when it came to some of the things you and I are talking about here, uh, he wouldn't go there. He wouldn't go there. So that's the background that I had to deal with in coming to grips as I began to read and study the scriptures myself and to realize, hey, Lord, there's more that I need to understand and begin to walk in if I'm ever going to fulfill your will. And it was a struggle for two years. Yeah. Let me tell you, read the, read the, and I'm not trying to sell the book, but read the last chapter on tongues and it will blow your mind. I point out a whole bunch of scientific studies. Tongues is not what we think it is. Not at all. It is crazy. Mm. And it'll, it'll well, I don't know about the word crazy. That starts bothering me a little bit. Crazy Reece. fun. Crazy fun. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> not crazy. It's crazy hey. fun. Thanks so so much for joining us here on Viewpoint today. The book, friends, The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint, God's Design for Your Gifts, Talents, and Purpose. God has a design, 
He has a plan, and he has a purpose for you. You're not cast out. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody in the kingdom of God. You may not be an out-front person. That's okay. Can't everybody be an out-front person? Some have to be behind the scenes. Some have to be behind the scenes. In fact, there have to be a whole lot more behind the scenes, but that doesn't mean they're lesser people. That doesn't mean their calling is any less. It doesn't mean their gifting is any less. Let's embrace who God has called each one of us to be, who has gifted us by his spirit to do his will. All right? The book, The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint. $18, we'll put this $19 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Monk 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, some of you might be interested to know that on Thursday, you are very likely going to hear an interview that I did with the wife of the former Vice President of the United States. I think you'll find it encouraging. It's not political not political at all, but I think you'll find it very encouraging. Her name is Karen Pence, as you know. Now, day after day, day after day, friends, we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Notice you will not find on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Newsmax, or any other news agency the discussion that we have just had. But do you think it's important to God? You see, just those things that are important to men doesn't necessarily mean they're the most important things to God. You decide, but remember Jesus' words. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Andy Reese, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Hold the fort there in Nashville, if it's possible. I am, uh, if I'm not holding the board, at least I'm having dinner at it. There you go. <laughs> Good for you, my friend. Get the book, friends, The Spiritual Gifts Blueprint. We've got to get a hold of this. Pray to the Lord. Trust the Lord. Go to these passages and ask him to reveal them to you. To you. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.